0: Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Freedom. 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 freedom? Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? freedom. You are listening to The flip side with Noah Filipiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grit of life. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash noahfilippiak or at noahfilippiak.com slash give. What is up, flip Welcome to episode 47 ...of the Flipside Podcast 47. We are three away from episode 50. That is a big deal. We're going to have to do something special for episode 50. I have no idea what that is. If you have ideas for something special, something amazing, something incredible for episode 50, let me know. Shoot me an email... You can reach the show podcast at beyondthebattle.net or reach out to me on social media at Noah Philippiak on Twitter, Facebook, That must be a new one. Facebook and Instagram. I am not young enough or cool enough to use TikTok or Snapchat and I don't think I ever will be young enough or cool enough. Uh, so, if if you want to try to sell me on that as well, you can. But as of right now, that ain't happening. Happy spring, happy spring break, if that applies to you or to your children in this in 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 your season of life. Most importantly, happy Easter. It is awesome to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It is it, it is it is. If you think about. Christians today, Protestant Christians, we don't really do, uh, uh, some of us do, do, but most of us don't do a lot of spiritual rhythm, church calendar stuff. Outside of Christmas and Easter. But let me just say, you know, Easter, it is it is the pinnacle. It is Jesus' empty tomb. Our faith is it this is the linchpin of our faith. And 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 honestly, of all things in our faith, for me, I have my doubts here and there about this and that. And the resurrection, the empty tomb, it is what I come back in, and I feel very confident in the resurrection of Jesus. Speaking of that, speaking of social media, on my Twitter and uh, author Facebook pages, I just posted a a little teaching, just a short 20-minute teaching that I did recently on three reasons you can believe in the resurrection with confidence. And so I encourage you to check that out just it's Easter time and if it's if you want to listen to something around uh, the topic of Easter and or if you're having doubts in your faith uh, really that's that's the heart of the teaching is to help you through some doubts in your faith there's also some discussion questions on there that you can talk through with a small group or group of friends so so check that out and a very happy Easter to you and and to all of us. Uh, So a couple of things before we get started one is we do have a mailbag here at the flipside the mailbag's been a little light recently, but so feel free to reach out to the show. You can email me, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. You can also reach out on social media, which I already mentioned, and we will wrap that into the mailbag. I do have one piece of mail that I want to read to you, so let's dive in to that a little bit dusty mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time.
1: The mail is here.
0: So this is a conversation just back and forth I've been having uh with a friend Daniel and I just got to tell you he wrote something about the podcast that was super encouraging. It's super short. It was just attached to some other stuff we were talking about. But he's referring to a few episodes ago I was just talking through, you know, insecurities that I have about the podcast, insecurities I have about uh this book coming out July 13th and and all that goes along with that and you know, there's uh, there there's the am I getting enough likes on social media and enough enough downloads and enough stats on my podcast? That was episode 44, and you know, Daniel just wrote something that I need to hear, and 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 he just said your podcast may not be the biggest, most popular podcast on earth, but to the one out of a hundred sheep like me, it is great help and encouragement. And man, Daniel, that 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 fills me with so much fuel, so much motivation, so much encouragement. He's referring to Jesus's parable of the hundred sheep. There's the ninety-nine, but then there's the one uh, that's that's gone off, and Jesus goes and finds the one. And Daniel's identifying with being that one, and that this podcast uh, it's it's reaching him and it's reaching you if you're listening. And in that episode, I talked about really going before god with what is my why what is my why for writing and for podcasting and it's not to get big stats it's not to be popular all those things they they it, it's it's the tentacles of the world you know it's those weeds in jesus parable those weeds that choke out uh the 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 good growth the weeds that get tangled in with the good harvest and and uh, I just I'm asking for your prayer with that. And so Daniel, thanks, brother, for that for that encouragement to me. That pumps me up, and it, it keeps me going. That that and that's my hope is that this podcast is an encouragement to those who listen. That this podcast is a help to those who listen. So thank you. And I just want to say, yeah, anyone else, if you want to send in your love, I receive it. I welcome it. Don't assume that I am a podcast machine, that, I, that, uh, that this thing just cranks itself out. Uh, there, There is that insecurity. There is that... There is that sometimes, uh, you know, that discouragement sometimes. And so I'm doing good. I'm doing okay. But I just want to let you know that that type of stuff, those little phrases, that encouragement, Daniel, like you wrote in, it means a lot. So if anybody else wants to write in, feel free to do that podcast at beyondthebattle.net. And you can also uh, connect me. Uh, on social media at Noah Filippiak. And speaking of writing in, I I have some big news, some some solemn news. Not yet sad news, though 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 potential for sadness, but a s- solemnness. And this is all a bit of sarcasm here. So just so you know, my tongue is in my cheek when I'm. I, it's not really that solemn, but but it is serious. So so I'm considering. And I know some of you, if you're driving right now, you may want to pull over. If you're standing up, you may want to sit down. I'm considering pulling the plug on Noah's Rant. Oh, I said it. It's out there, it's on the table. I just puked it out. It was that hairball that I couldn't get out. I'm considering pulling the plug on Noah's Rant. And I want to tell you, listener, the future of Noah's Rant is hanging in the balance. And the future of Noah's rant is in your hands. So so most of you that are regular listeners, you obviously already know this. Noah's rant is this little bit at the end of the show that I do. It is an attempt at comedy. It is an attempt at humor. I enjoy Noah's rant. Uh, the problem with Noah's rant, and I, and, then, and here's the thing, I'm not gonna have one today. So if you want to listen to a Noah's rant, I, the last two episodes, I think it was the last two. Eh, I don't keep good records. The last two of the three, I did the one on Honeycrisp apples, and I did the one on eight ounce water bottles. Those both I thought were pretty funny. <laughs> I thought, I think some of my Noah's rants are are kind of bad, kind of desperate uh, to come up with something. Those two were, I thought, were pretty good, and I got really into them. I think the end of the water one, I literally said I left it all in the field I'm exhausted and I legitimately was I was legitimately exhausted so Check out. Uh, I know for sure that episode forty six had a Noah's rant. So check out some previous episodes if you want to get a taste for them. They're at the very, very end of the episode right before the closing,, uh, you know, sound comes in, the closing song. but but here's the thing, they really are exhausting. They really take up a ton of my energy when it comes, the podcast itself takes up a lot of energy. I'm <laughs> like, listen to me. I'm shouting into a microphone right now. <laughs> It's because I'm I'm a wild man. I'm a eight. I can't. I'm a crazy man. Uh, it, you know. This is how I am. This is how I roll. This is my flavor. This is who I am. And so it really does take up a lot of energy. And then Noah's rant. The problem really is. And I thought this day would probably come eventually. I'm just running out of stuff to rant about. I feel like. So I'm not saying. I'm not saying that I'm. As funny as a stand-up comedian, it is an attempt at comedy. But I, I've always wondered with stand-up comedians, how do they keep coming up with new information or new jokes, like new content? Because there's only so many things to joke about in the world. And I think it's because they have a, a vast team of writers that are very well paid, and they write the jokes down. Like Jimmy Fallon doesn't. Come up with all those jokes every single night, and he's not a stand-up comedian, but the same same sort of idea there. Uh, I do not have a well-paid staff of writers the way Jimmy Fallon does, or I'm sure the way stand-up comedians have as well. So I'm calling on you, calling to the flip of if you want to be on my well-paid staff team of writers and send in ideas for what I can rant about. I receive them, I welcome them, and I'm warning you, Noah's rant uh, may have seen its last day. It may may become a relic, a cultural relic. It may have gone the way of the answering machine. It may have gone the way of the cassette tape. Uh, Advancements in culture that at one point were active and served a great purpose and now are only left to the the museums, the museums of culture. Uh, So, but That's probably not true. I probably will have something new to rant about because that's literally how the rants work. I see something and go, oh, that's funny or annoying or silly. I'm going to do a rant on it. I'm just out. I'm out of those things. I have a few things. None of them are any good. Maybe I'll do one of them (laughs) and I won't tell you. And It wasn't one of the not good ones. But, yeah, shoot me an email, podcast at beyondthebattle.net, Noah's Rant, it is. It is in your hands. Uh, it it may die altogether, or it, it may just become much much less frequent than than it currently is. And here's the thing: the way Noah's rant works, it it has to be. I don't want you to send me a rant about something serious to rant about. The whole the whole joke about Noah's rant is it's something really ridiculous, like Honeycrisp apples or eight ounce water bottles. Or I did one. Uh, it was in November, and I saw a friend of mine wearing a sleeveless puffy coat, and I thought how dumb that is, you know, that they sell coats that are big puffy coats, but they don't have sleeves on them, so I did a whole rant on that. I thought that was a funny one, too. I legit don't think they're all funny. I think one time I got to the end, and, was, and I said, ah, that, that wasn't a very good one, <laughs> but thanks for bearing with me. So... It, uh, it has to be something silly, something. It, it, if you send me really serious, you know, even, you know, theological things or cultural things, social issue sorts of things, political things, that's not what rants are about. We we talk about serious things on the show, but the idea of the rant is not. I have an anger problem and the proper <laughs> the proper way to discuss controversial things is to rant on them. No, it's a joke. It's it's supposed to be funny. So send me funny things if you want the rant to continue. Or if you don't have any good ideas but you just want to throw a vote in the ring towards the rant, please do. Just give the rant needs some love. It is on life support. Send prayers and positive vibes to the rant. <laughs> I can rant on that. Sorry, we're in this total post-Christian culture, right? And in it's serious stuff. Like when somebody dies, you know, a celebrity or an athlete. But you, and you'll see, or actually, you see it, you see it too, just personally, but on Facebook too, people. You'll what, what I meant to say about the celebrities was, uh, you know, you'll hear a, a sports announcer or someone say. Uh well you say it's thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Okay, at least they threw prayers in there. On social media, it's more sending positive vibes your way. Or if something just happened, I don't know, they wrecked a car. Sending positive vibes your way. And I'm going, really? Like for real? That's better than (laughs) You'd be better off if you don't believe in God, if you're an atheist, just pray. To to, like maybe there's a god. You can maybe, you know, you can take a chance, but positive vibes? I'm I'm trying to picture this in my mind. Like, do you do you put your fingers all out kind of like Emperor Palpatine would shoot lightning out of his fingers in the Star Wars movies? So you're you're turning that into a positive thing. So you have your fingers all out kind of brittle and stiff, and you're like, positive vibes, your way. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't do the positive vibe thing, I do the prayer thing so you can send some positive vibes towards noah's rant it won't do any good whatsoever but uh you can (laughs) if you want to email me and tell me you're sending positive vibes uh prayers uh petitions uh, up to the lord that he would save and resuscitate noah's rant uh please do Uh, if i hear from a lot of you or if I hear uh, a deep, moving, a moving, motivating, motivational speech uh, from one of you, then it then it might just move the needle. It might move the needle. So, I want you to, so there you go. That was almost a rant right there. It's beauty. We don't even need no rant. I'll just tie all that ridiculous in to the early part of the show, which I'm trying to do better at and not do, but I'm obviously failing. Very, very poorly at. So let me get to a couple more things, and then we're going to get to an awesome interview today with Kevin Butcher. So uh, Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Noah Flipiak. You can support the podcast with a very small monthly gift, and you will get some sweet uh, flip side swag and or free coffee coffee yeah from angry brew our show sponsor angrybrew.com uh, you can get 10 percent off your order of angry brew or chris's blend i'll be drinking some chris's blend today chris's blend a dollar of every Chris's Blend gets donated to Forgotten Children's Ministry in Honduras, and you'll get 10% off your order, FiveLakes.com or angrybrew.com. Thank you to Angry Brew for showing some love to the flip side. It really does mean a lot. really goes a long way. Last but not least... BeyondTheBattle.net, if you're a dude, if you're discontent in your marriage, discontent in your singleness, if you're looking at porn, if you're not looking at porn, but you're struggling with lust, if you're acting out sexually in other ways, all of the above, any of the above, check out BeyondTheBattle.net. We are recruiting for our next online group. That's a seven-week group with me and my team, and we will lead you through the book, Beyond the Battle, and some awesome small group content. Uh, Check it out. We're recruiting for our next group. And uh, alumni, alumni of beyondthebattle.net groups, uh, you for free get to hang out with me on a weekly basis uh, now. That's something I'm doing, and, and we all need that. We all need ongoing conversation about the stuff we struggle with. Ongoing strength, ongoing reminders, ongoing community. So, yeah, it's seven weeks that you're paying for for beyondthebattle.net, but it's also then an indefinite weekly with me. It's uh, 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings, time to hang out. And for those of you listening that are alumni, uh, that's not ready yet. It will be ready soon. I'm in process of contacting you all uh, to get the ball rolling and the logistics set up for that. So uh, there we go. All that. We made it. We made it through the intro of the show. It's more than an intro, right? It's 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 the flip side. It's the flip side part A. Now transitioning over to part B. I'm going to uh, interview my friend Kevin Butcher and secret podcast trade secret we already did the interview we did the interview a little while ago uh, we did the interview back uh the day after the Super Bowl whenever that was uh, the reason is because Kevin has a new book coming out called free with nav press and nav press wanted us to post this podcast episode boom on April the 6th So that's why it posted on April the 6th uh, for Kevin and for Nav Press because April the 6th is launch day for the book free. So I highly recommend you purchase the book free by my friend Kevin Butcher. I'm not just blowing smoke. So Kevin, he's been on the show before. I've interviewed him before, and he is one of my mentors. He is a dear friend, and I know that in the interview – you will experience his. You are. You will experience love. You will experience Kevin's love for you. You will experience Jesus's love for you through Kevin, and and that is what happens when you talk to Kevin. That's what happens when you read his books. You experience Jesus's love through Kevin's words. It's beautiful. So let me read you his bio, and then we will kick it over to the interview. Kevin Butcher is a graduate of Taylor University and Dallas Theological Seminary, was a lead pastor for 35 years, the last 17 in urban Detroit, and is now the founder and executive director of Rooted Ministries, a nonprofit designed to come alongside isolated, wounded, discouraged pastors and their families. Butcher is the author of Choose and Choose Again, the brave act of returning to God, as well as his new book, Free. Free. He has written numerous articles and has shared the message of the father's love in 12 countries. He's been married to his best friend Carla for 42 years and has three grown daughters, two sons-in-laws, and four grandchildren. Kevin also, this is me talking away from reading the bio, Kevin has an awesome podcast called The Rooted Podcast, so check that out as well. And with that, let's bring Kevin into the flip side for a second time all right Kevin welcome back to the flip side for round two
1: so glad to have you so good to be here with my friend Noah you're my friend you're my brother so it's 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 better than just going on a podcast with somebody I don't know
0: it is man it is I know we we already talked for a long time without without recording we could have done that for for a while but i had to click record at some point so
1: yeah, absolutely i get it but I loved that first segment. I wish you could just stick that in there somewhere.
0: <laughs> I loved it, man. I loved it. And uh, so, Kevin, tell, tell us and, and uh, listeners, first off, before we jump into free and kind of some of the stuff about the book, uh, you were a pastor for a very long time, and now mm-hmm. uh, you are directing Rooted Ministries. Um, what is Rooted Ministries? Just tell us a little bit about that and about what you do.
1: Well, the, the, the theme or the title um, of the nonprofit, Rooted, comes from Ephesians 3, that, that section 17 through 19, where Paul prays that prayer for the Ephesian church, and then he prays for all of us. And kind of the, the culmination of that prayer is that we might be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. This is my paraphrase, because to know that love is to be full of all the fullness of God. And of course, the opposite of fullness is emptiness. And and that's what I found in my life as a pastor for quite a bit of my pastoral journey for the first, I don't know, six, eight years, and then off and on for the last 30. Um, But there was a breaking point when I realized the reason that I was so empty, that I had no fullness, that I was trying to live out of emptiness is because I didn't know that Christ loved me. Noah. I mean, I could talk about John 3:16. I could preach the love of Christ to the to the masses or to the individual at the coffee t- uh, over the coffee table at the coffee shop. But when it really boiled down to it, I didn't know Noah that he loved me mm-hmm. as his you know as his brother, or that God was my father who loved me as his son. And so, as you know, in my first book, I I open up with I wanted to die, and uh, I did want to die because I was so empty. And began to discover through Brendan Manning and Henry Now and some others that the emptiness was, I didn't know the love of Christ. I wasn't rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. I was rooted and grounded in Christianity, all kinds of lists and evangelical rules and whatnot. Not all of them were bad, but they're not a place to you know drive your roots deep. And so um, after I got, when I got close to the end of being a pastor, I began to realize, or I really had realized long before, but I said, God, if you'll give me energy, if you'll give me direction, because I'm, man, I'm no nonprofit starter. I'm not a fundraiser. It's just not even my personality or my, it's not the way I'm wired. But I said, if you'll give me some venue, Father, I would love to be present to pastors, many of whom I know are living out of the same emptiness that I lived out of. And so we decided to call the nonprofit Rooted. God gave me four or five unbelievable board members that are there because they really want to be there. They care for pastors and their families. And so that's what I do basically 24/7: is um, reach out to um, provide retreats for um, getting ready to start a small group for um, uh, or two for pastors, just trying to connect with them and their families and help them see that they're not on a treadmill of performance. They're a son or a daughter of the living God. And he's calling them to root in and abide in his love and the love of his son. It will set them free and fill them up. And that's what they'll have to give to the world. So, yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah. Here's a big question along those lines. What are, as you meet with pastors and counsel pastors, and just befriend and walk with pastors, and you know, and you've done that with me. And I, I shared before you came on your, your your bio and everything, and and my listeners mm-hmm. know you're one of my mentors, and uh, I've just you've been huge in my life. And I and I know you, you know, just have these deep conversations with with many many pastors. Uh, what are what are pastors facing these days?
1: Well, first of all, they're facing what they face have faced for centuries, and that is incredible loneliness, Mm -hmm. because um, who do they share with that they can be safe with? I mean, they can't dump the whole load on their congregation because their congregation, I mean, they can be transparent to a point and they, they need to be, they're called to be, but the congregation looks up to them. And so it would be abusive at some point to share too much or to share certain things about their journey. And then when they go to their board, if you will, um, you gotta be careful what you share there because like it or not, most pastors, at least those who are vocationally full time are counting on that to support their family on that salary to support their family. So if they share too much with their board, only well, it takes one or two board members to say, uh, I'm not buying what that brother or that sister is selling. And all of a sudden they start, you know, pushing that person out and they can't even share if it's a larger community, uh, Transparently to a great extent with their staff because, again, they're their boss, and so, um, the, who do they share with? And, Noah, what I've found, and I think you've maybe found this to be true as well many times over the years, when I go to a pastor's group, if you will, where we should be peers and able to just take off our masks, yeah, what I found was everybody was trying to be the big dog in the room you know how how big is your church and yeah. and you know there're 10 ways to answer, ask that question that don't kind of out your own competitive nature but pastors know when this isn't a safe place to share i'm really struggling i'm not sure i believe in christ anymore i don't know the love of god for me i want to quit whatever it might be um so first of all loneliness they they don't know where they're safe and then In this particular era, my brother, I I talk to pastors literally every day all over the country, and they're sharing, they're struggling with um, trying to manage the deep right and left Mm -hmm. in their congregations. Many of these are Caucasians, I must confess, but not all, not all. The deep right and the deep left that that their their congregation has on both sides of that equation associated with Jesus yeah. and the kingdom of God and and I could and, you know we don't have a lot of time or I could go into anecdotal stories about sure. that you, that would would blow your mind about how instead of hey pastor so thankful that you share Jesus it's why haven't you shared my right-wing version of Jesus mm-hmm. lately? Mm-hmm. Why haven't you shared my left-wing version of Jesus? And by the way, the folks that are asking that of pastors don't even realize that they're seeing Jesus, not the Jesus of Nazareth in the Scripture. Yeah, they're seeing they're, they're seeing a Jesus they've created out of their own emptiness. In my particular opinion, so the pressure is great uh, on the political um, side in congregations, and then the racial piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, our African American brothers and sisters, Latino brothers and sisters, Asian brothers and sisters, some of whom are pastoring churches um, which are mixed and have a a fair amount of Caucasian people. And I'm not, look, I'm not throwing white folk under the bus because you can't speak generically of all white people. And I'm a white person, you're a white person. But bro, there are a fair amount of us that. Don't want to hear about justice, racial inequality that has been with us for decades, even centuries in America. And so the minute someone starts preaching uh, that kind of justice, um, there's a pushback. And I mean a lashback. I mean folk leaving churches. I mean leaders yeah. walking out the door without ever examining what's going on in my heart that is causing me to push back on this beloved pastor who I've trusted all these years, who just because he talks about the George Floyd murder and links that to biblical Christianity, I want one out. What is that? They never really examine their own hearts. So that's another piece. Mm. Because pastors aren't going to sell the farm. They're, they're going to preach justice if they see Jesus as being Isaiah 11's bringer of equity. Yeah. Justice for all on the earth. They're going to preach that Jesus. They're not going to stop. So they're facing that pressure. I could go on, but there's a big three Mm -hmm. that cause right now are causing pastors to even several of them that I'm working with. They're reconsidering their vocation, Noah, which is absolutely diabolical. Not that you, as a pastor, you can't reconsider your vocation. Of course you can but many times my sense is it's because of this unbelievable pressure from the body for them to be more than they ever, more than just a serious follower of Jesus, Yeah, to be something yeah. that that community wants to create in them. So, yeah, there's yeah. more, but that gives you a, an Absolutely. insight.
0: Yeah. And some of that is for, you know, I think, uh, I think most listeners of my podcast probably are not pastors. And I think they need to hear that uh, because they, I think... <clears throat> non-pastors need to kind of look at their heart and ask, how am I treating my pastor? And it's it's not yeah. that that we have to, you know, it's not like we have to treat our pastors like they're royalty or something. That's not what I'm saying at all. But no, just that that sense of respect, that sense of, of community. That's, you didn't even mention, you know, COVID. And I know that's a huge piece, you know, I've heard you talk about <laughs> before as well. Uh, on your podcast, I remember you talking about covid and people i think you might you may have even uh, quoted you know an email or something that someone got from someone in their in their congregation and it was just it just blew my mind like the hate that people are spewing at their pastors if if let's say the the pastor had to make a decision in the church to not meet in person and to be virtual and the the hate that they're getting for that, or the other way around sometimes as well, meeting in person and the hate they're getting for that. And just the the lose-lose, it's a lose-lose situation for pastors and and church leaders. And I think that, man, I wish that the church, and again, I think it is important we don't generalize everyone because obviously there's there's uh, for for everyone hating Indeed. on a pastor. There's somebody loving on a pastor. But when you're a pastor, the person hating on you, it it uh, it's a lot louder. You know what I mean?
1: Um, oh, by the way, the key word is hate. Yeah. Where in the in the, yeah. in the book do we justify? Yeah. Spewing venom on a brother or sister who is has been charged with shepherding us. Come yeah. on, man.
0: Yeah, man. So I think there's a good word in there for for <clears throat> church members, uh, and and for for all of us. You know, you you talked about with pastors. There's a a performance drivenness to that that we struggle with, and and I'm wondering we can now kind of broaden this out. Let's include all pastors and and non pastors into this. Thinking of some of the some of the content from f- free, uh, where does that? Need to perform that so many of us have? I don't want to assume everyone has it, but I have it, and I struggle with it, and I know many, many do. Uh, and And it looks different for different people, but where does that need to perform come from, do you think?
1: Well, my big answer, the broad answer in my view, biblically speaking, is it comes from hell. On a more specific level, you can go all the way back to Genesis 2 and 3, you know, Genesis 2, Adam and Eve didn't perform. They, they worked the garden and they, whatever, you know, they had a life, but they weren't performing. They were naked and not ashamed. God walked with them in the cool of the garden day by day. They were surrounded by the unconditional love of God, which created safety for them. There was no performance. They were just loved. And then in Genesis three, as you know, um, Satan says, "Well, that love is nice, but it's not enough. What you need is the knowledge of good and evil." And Adam and Eve bought the lie, and that you know, the first emotion that emerges from seeing good and evil as God saw it was shame, mm-hmm. and shame is the mother of performance, because all of a sudden Adam and Eve looked at themselves and realized, "I'm not God." And I have the potential for evil, for making wrong choices. In fact, what is good? What is evil? Which we've been wrestling with ever since. You know, most churches you walk in and and, and the, what you feel is they're just trying to figure out what's good and evil. There's not much mention of the love and the safety of the love that causes us to let go of the shame that shouts at us, you're not doing it right. You'll never be enough. God will not be able to love you and accept you if you're not, if you're not getting it right. Um, there's no mention of the love that was intended to be our home. When we live rooted and grounded in the unconditional love of God to Christ, Noah, and this has been my journey, we move from shame and needing to prove something through performance to freedom and the ability to just be. And whatever comes out of us comes out of the fruit of knowing that we are deeply unconditionally and eternally loved Hmm. you know um it's dr kurt thompson that wrote the soul of shame that you and i have have talked about he's a follower of christ and he says i heard him speak this in a lecture at 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 a retreat a couple of years ago he said we all come out of the womb looking for someone looking for us with delight we're looking for someone to simply unconditionally love us, to just delight in us. We're looking for mom or dad to look at us and say, You don't have to perform for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just love you. That's the true nature, the unfallen nature of Adam and Eve. We're created in the image of a God who has been loving Himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this triune unity. From all eternity, we're created in his image to look for that kind of love for us. And when we get it, we're free. We don't perform. We may obey, but we obey because we know we're loved. We don't have to. We freely obey. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, Jesus said, because I love you first. The opposite and the only other alternative is to live a performance based life. Mm -hmm. There's no middle ground. We either know we're loved. And we respond out of knowing we're loved to the God who loves us, or we live according to performance, and it's death, bro. Mm, yeah, it is death.
0: Well, and it's slavery. You know that that performance drivenness. That's how I've experienced it as as slavery, where though you don't know, you don't know. I mean, it it's like slavery, except that it you're chasing something that you think will free you, right? So so when oh, I, I. A lie when i get that thing it's like being on a treadmill or a hamster wheel when i get that thing then i will have blank you know and for me it's approval validation acceptance uh and and you get that thing or or a semblance of that thing and it's just like an illusion it it slips through your you can't even you can't hold it it's there but you can't it's there's no substance to it and so you just keep going and it's it's really an addiction it's this It's this addiction that never stops. And that's why I say it's like slavery because it never stops. It never, it's never enough. And no matter how much you have, some people it's greed, like money is their thing. And for others like me, it's performance is the thing. And it's never, it's never enough. And that isn't. It's not.
1: Yeah. It's slavery because it indeed is an addiction. And it comes out of the longing is not wrong. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. You know this. We've talked about this so many times. Sometimes we feel guilty for longing. Buddhism says, stop longing and you'll be free. Christianity says no. And you know, the word desire, I think it's uh, epithemia. I, I could be wrong, but, but desire is all over the New Testament. But what are we desiring What we've done is taken what we're really desiring, which is the unconditional love of God and the safety and the security and the freedom of that love, and we've traded it in, think of the uh, letter to the church, you've lost your first love. Mm -hmm. You've gone to love number two, number three, number four, which will never satisfy, but all of those loves represent what we're really looking for, which is the love of God in Christ. You remember uh, the J.K. J., Chesterton quote, and I, I'm going to say this wrong, but it was something along these lines. Every man that walks into a brothel is looking for God and his love. Yeah. Every one of these addictions, these pieces of slavery that you're talking about, and some of them aren't bad in and of themselves, is getting an education good. Oh, boy, you bet. But if it becomes that thing that I think will satisfy my deepest longings, that emptiness will, will be deeply um, broken over that pursuit. I, When I met Carla, I think I insidiously, my wife of 43 years now, I insidiously thought finally found the one yeah. who would love me like I need to be loved. And after about 10 years of marriage, dude, I remember this. She said to me, what do you want from me, Kev? And Noah, I didn't know, but now I know. Then I didn't know. I wanted her to give me, is it good to love your wife? Yes. Is it good to want to receive wife uh, love from your partner? Yes. But I made her the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. I would never have said that theologically, but practically I was looking for her to fill up that empty space inside. And it was only when God confronted me with the fact that she, no human being could ever, relationships are good, but no human being can fill up that emptiness that a piece of my journey turned toward him. It was was 10 years later that I ended up suicidal and kind of made the final leap toward from now on, I may stray, Mm -hmm. but I will always know where my true home is. It's his love for me because nothing else will satisfy.
0: Not that it's a how to, right? And you're really, you're really clear on that and free. It's, it's, so I don't, I don't mean to ask us in that way, but how, how does a person get to that point? I think sometimes it's easy to kind of talk about the love of Jesus, you know, in an interview like this, or even in a book and someone could read it almost like looking in a, in a, storefront window, you know, and seeing a product on display and on the other side of the glass. And they're saying, man, I want that. I want that freeing kind of love as, as you talk about that slavery and you talk about that 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 need to perform or, not, you know, now we're talking about relationships. And so maybe there's somebody that's single and they are just longing for that that perfect one or someone who's married and they're frustrated with the one that's not the perfect one that you know that, that they thought it would be yeah. and and we're saying the love of Jesus will give you what you're looking for it, it will give you what you you can't find anywhere else and they <laughs> they see it behind the other side of the glass and they want it they want to experience it in that way just how, how would you counsel someone? To, to begin to be able to, to experience God's love in such a real way that we're talking about.
1: You bet. I mean, and you're right. I, I worked very diligently to not, I mean, there's a million how-to books in Christianity, um, 10 Steps to Christian Nirvana, whatever. And I just thought, that, that, that choked the life out of me over the years, you know, because they never worked. We're talking about an intimate relationship with a God who revealed himself in Christ, but who now can sometimes seem pretty mystical and distant. How do I connect intimately with that God to the point that that emptiness in my spirit is really filled to overflowing and I guess for me, the process began, and I think this is true biblically speaking as well, with realizing that, well, how how are all of my little gods that I'm trying to fill my life up with, how's it working for me? In other words, I think you have to start Noah with gut level honesty. I mean, for me that God forced that on me. I, one night I found that with all of my success, you know, I was an all American, this and that, and, and all academic this and that, and had really a, a a primo life, everything that the American dream could ask uh, for and deliver. And I wanted to kill myself. Mm -hmm. Um, that forced me to say, Lord, what is going on? If I'm honest, I've got everything, but I've got nothing. So I think that honesty, that transparency is first. What's really going on? Am I really fulfilled just because I have the job of my dreams? Really? I mean, really, is my marriage that perfect that really there's nothing? I mean, God is kind of a side piece. I mean, he, he's uh he's a sidebar issue. He's a piece of the pie, but his love isn't the you know, the whole thing out of which everything else emanates. Secondly, I think then um, we, we've got to get desperate for that love. I, when I fell in love with Carla, bro, I, and I, you know, I wrote a chapter on desperation because That's the way all intimate relationships begin. Someone sees someone else and says, I'm desperate to know that person. I'm desperate to love and be loved by that person. And in the scripture, it is that. We were just talking about the Psalms before we got on here. You know, David says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you, oh God. There's nothing casual anywhere. In the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, about our relationship with God, and in fact, when we do get casual, we begin to walk away. So I, I, I think about Demas, one of Paul's closest companions in in the in the Pauline letters. At one point, Paul and Demas were thick as thieves, and then in Colossians, no, Second Timothy, his last book, he says that Timothy, you know, Demas has left me, and listen to this language, Noah, for love. This present world. Mm -hmm. He didn't say he uh I don't know, stopped being religious enough or he just wasn't disciplined enough, or you know, he just no, he said the implication was he used to be in love with with God in Christ, but then he found another love that he thought was gonna deliver the goods to his heart more than more than God. So I think at some point we have to get honest about how these gods are delivering, look at the scripture and see that his love is everywhere and that every relationship has a desperation for that love because the biblical characters realize if they don't know that love, they got nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of Peter. Peter had courage, Peter was devoted, Peter was the guy who confessed Christ in Matthew 16. The church will be built on those words, Peter, on that rock. He cut off the ear of Malchus and one of the gospels in defense of the Lord, but then he denied Christ. And when he came out of that denial period, remember in John 21, Jesus just basically says one thing. Um, Peter, I don't need to know if you've repented enough. I don't even know how much you know theologically these days, Peter. I don't really care. What I want to know is, do you love me? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Implying, do you know I love you? As I said in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so love I you. Abide in my love. Do you get that now? Because if you do, you're ready to go feed my sheep. Mm -hmm. So I think we've got to get desperate, Noah. And honestly, you know what I hear in Christianity? There's another D word I hear get more disciplined. Get more disciplined discipline yourself. Be mo- There's nothing wrong with that word, but for me, and I was a disciplined athlete, I was a disciplined scholar or, you know, a person that went to school and college, got a graduate degree. Didn't work for me, man. There, it comes to a certain point where discipline will not cut it. Mm. It was never meant to. If all we needed is discipline, why don't we just pursue Hinduism? or Islam. There's a couple of religions that are very much about discipline. Even uh, our Jewish friends, Judaism, very much about discipline. And I'm not speaking poorly of any of these religions. I'm just saying there's something different going on in Christianity. It's about the love of God that we're desperate for, that we live into, that discipline is a slight part of, but not the main player. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, A third piece is we've got to be willing to heal because for many of us, when we come to that point, there's been a lot of damage done, broken families, um, pain, wound. Don't you think it's interesting, Noah, that Jesus said when he quoted the Isaiah prophecy um, in Luke chapter four, when they handed him the scroll in his hometown synagogue and he turned it to Isaiah 61 and he read that messianic prophecy, he said, I have come to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And then he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Mm -hmm. That's his mission statement. Not just to stand over us pointing to Bible verses saying, get with the program, bro, sister. He's saying, I love you if you allow me to come close to you i will heal your brokenness and set you free so that you can obey me and be a light in this broken world um, with folks who are who are looking for me and just don't know it
2: yeah yeah
1: there's there's a few little pieces out of out of the book that has been my journey and i work diligently as you know noah to ground those pieces in the scripture i believe what i've just given you is biblical theology of sanctification Mm -hmm. that starts with knowing how much he loves us
0: and one big thing you've taught me and you mentioned this as well in one of the chapters is about how how we're able to experience that in community where Mm -hmm. where you know i think often and maybe this is because we're we're westernized americans as individuals, we even hear this message and go, Okay, I can do that. I can go with Jesus and 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 I can have him heal me and and, and I think that there's certainly obviously profound times of solo time with Jesus that, that we need for this. Retreat times. absolutely and daily time and we learn we learn that. We learn to meditate on these things. But I also know even for myself I hide, I hide things uh, from people, and sometimes I think, well, I can share that with Jesus, but I'm still sort of believing my own lies. I'm still sort of because I, I don't have to share them sort of with somebody right in front of me. And I know I've experienced a lot of healing when I when I share those things with trusted uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and and there's a real there's a real beautiful healing that happens. Uh, when when we when we experience that love that we're talking about in bodily form uh, and in, in facial form uh, from people, and I know that's what you do. I mean, that's what you you set out to 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 show that love, you know, to people. And I think I think that's an important thing for us to talk about here, as as really, it's an invitation for people to find this type of love. And I think if we took it seriously, it would radically change the way we do discipleship. It would change, you know, yeah. the way we do uh, small groups and all those sorts of things in church. Uh, there's so much that would change if we saw our role in community to show this type of love to each other, to be that face that shines delight and love on someone. And when someone shares their shame and they share their hurts and they share their their sin they're loved with this type of love this type of grace uh wow that's i mean it's healed me and and, uh, i i love i love that path of healing that that goes along with as it says you don't have to do it alone and in fact uh you can't you you can't you're only gonna get so far right if you try to do it on your own
1: yeah i i think in much of Western Christianity, it's become a left brain exercise. Now look, Yeah. I've had yeah. six years of Greek, two years of Hebrew, three years of Latin. I love the word of God. I'm not saying there's anything evil about our left brains. We need to be thoughtful, thinking, meditative. You know, Paul says, take every thought captive. I get it. I get it. All scripture's inspired. It's profitable for reproof correction. I get it. I believe it. But we leave out whole swaths of scripture especially pauline literature when at the end of all of his packed theological letters about god and christ impacting us at the end first you know 1 corinthians 12 through 16 romans 12 through 16 it's all about living this out in the body i mean think about what paul calls it the body of jesus christ there's a reason why he uses that cute little metaphor It wasn't meant to be cute it was meant to be absolutely straight up biblical truth the the jesus who said as the father has loved me so love I you abide in live in my love this is the only way you're going to survive let alone overcome in this battle and then paul calls the church the body of jesus that's one of the main places we abide in Mm-hmm. and feel the healing impact of his love. And there's a reason why Paul says, for example, in Ephesians 4, the starting place for that healing is, again, abject honesty. Mm-hmm. What is it? Ephesians 4, 25, I think. First, Paul says, when we connect, he says, um, stop lying to one another. Tell the truth yeah. to one another because we're members, intimate members of one another. He goes on in another letter to say, the eye can't live without the ear. Are you kidding me? He's like, can't, can't live without what that ear has to offer the eye and vice versa. When Paul says, tell the truth. No, I don't think he's talking about the truth about our golf score. I think he's talking about taking off the mask and saying, this is what's really going on. On. Yeah. And when we get that honesty out there, vulnerability, which many times is attached with shame about our performance and about some sin that we don't know what to do with, and we're too guilt-ridden to confess and whatever, we get that out there, and love meets that peace? Bro, mm-hmm. the love of Christ, which defeated Satan at the cross, through Jesus' death, is the strongest commodity in the universe. Hell cannot win when the love of Christ meets the vulnerability of His people, and so healing begins. Even when, even when nothing is spoken, the love heals. So, you know this story that um, I told in the book, and and yeah. Anyway, a couple of guys in a group that were about trying to live in community. Um, like we're talking about healing community and they both, they were, they followed Christ. They were serious about Christ. They uh, had families that were about Christ, but they were pretty wounded like most of us. And one night in the middle of one of these group meetings, they were talking about where they missed the love growing up. And, uh, Chris was the guy that was sharing at that moment about all of his brokenness and his wound because he got honest. This is a 35-year-old professional man. I mean, he felt safe enough to share his real truth, Ephesians 4 style. And a brother, Dave, another broken son of God, but so gifted, man. What a gifted young man. Walked over to the other side of the room with all these other brothers watching. Now, this is a group full of men, Noah, sat down next to Chris, picked him up. And held him, him in his lap like he was a baby, rocked him, kissed him. And I know some of your listeners right now are freaking out, but stay with me, listeners, stay, especially brothers. Stay with me now. Stay with me. Two big strong men. One guy's holding the other guy because he just poured out his heart. About this is what I don't get about the love of Christ. I've never experienced it. I know it in my head. It can't get beyond the wounds that I've experienced in my life. Dave picked him up, held him, nurtured him. And then after about 30 seconds, which seemed about three years to the group, <laughs> Dave, you know, sat him back down. Chris slid off his lap. And then Dave, a few minutes later, said, Hey, bro, I don't know, man. That might have been too much. And this is what Chris, this grown man follower of Jesus, said. He said, too much? Are you kidding me, man? I've been waiting for someone to do that to me, to show me that kind of raw, unmitigated love for me my entire life. Mm. What if, Noah, the body of Christ was a place where whatever mask we had on out in the world, when we came to the body, we could say today, this is who I am and where I am and allow the love in that community through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to impact us. Sometimes without even words being spoken, it would revolutionize the church, revolutionize Christianity. And I'm telling you, we'd walk out of that building or that communal gathering, out into the brokenness of the world, so full of the love of Christ that people, no, non-believers would be flocking to us because they're looking for that same love mm. and they would begin to see it like they'd never seen it before.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. No, I love it. I love that. I love that expression of love. And I think uh, I've, I have men in my life who have expressed that type of love to me. And it, it is, it is real when you, it, it helps you. It really helps you to uh, not believe the lie when you, when you experience it, manifest it, you know, when you.
1: Hey, not to interrupt, but you're right. Because we, again, with our left brain yeah kind of intellectual style of Christianity, we think like if Noah comes to me and says, I really struggle with the love of God that all Noah needs is for me to repeat a Bible verse to, to him. Yeah. No, the love in the scripture was often, if not always I know I just hate to say always because I'm I only know the Bible that I know, often embodied when Jesus you know traveled Palestine, I mean uh, and and Judea he, he was touching people
2: mm-hmm.
1: he was close to people. He went to people's homes and they felt something from him. He didn't look over their shoulders to see who was coming next. He glued in on them and his love was embodied. What if along with the biblical preaching, along with the word of God that's spoken, what if there was an embodiment, whether that was physical touch or you know building a ramp in somebody's front yard because they just got assigned a wheelchair i don't know how they're going to get in their front door what if the body of christ was filled with his embodied love we would we would find healing
0: yeah yeah now i amen to that um i think i think that that sets us on a path both in our a lot of this stuff uh if you're if you're listening you know you can do this stuff outside of the church walls this is uh Come on. this this if you're saying i'm not i'm not experiencing this at church uh i think i'm not saying to stop going to church but i'm saying no. you you can create these environments you can create some intentional community and intentional conversation with with other followers of christ and if you're a pastor uh, or some kind of ministry leader listening i i would say how how are you structuring your community and how are you training your leaders and in what types is it what you know what type of uh, is it is it all left brain you know is it is there a, is there an element of this vulnerability that comes with w- with this it's huge and and just frankly i think i've experienced this more outside of church programs than i have within Local church programs, and yeah, yeah. Uh, that that should cause pastors and ministry leaders some some pause, so, some pause, and to to reassess some of the ways we're structuring uh, the life the life of church. And honestly,
1: so. Noah, I mean that is such a good word. I, I think, um, my friend, and if I were talking to pastors now, I would say before you even go there to evaluate how we're structuring our you know communities of faith whatever denomination we are, whatever ethnicity, background, whatever, where am I honestly
2: yeah. as
1: a pastor with, with the love of God? One of the things I try to do in the book is give some checkpoints of, could this be a sign that what you're really wrestling with is not your discipline. You're plenty disciplined. It's not your time in the word. You, you have time in the word. It's, you don't, you don't know that he loves you. Mm-hmm. And I would say this to a follower of Jesus who's not a pastor. Whatever you take out of this podcast, please don't take, oh gosh, another podcast, another group of things I should do, book I should read. No, it's, can we just start by getting honest about whether we know about his love? We know all the verses, but do we really know that he loves us? Start there. And when, with me, after my suicide attempt, or almost suicide attempt, all I did know was say, God, I don't I don't know what's going on, but I, I think I'm looking for your love. I don't know how to find it. I cried out. That's all I did. Job 62.8, pour out your heart before the Lord, because he's our refuge. I just cried out. And I couldn't even identify all the things that began to happen after that. But I can tell you this, bro. I knew after that day, if I didn't find the love of God in Christ for me, for me, on an experiential level, and I just, I had a whole head full, man, Greek words, you name it. I was going to be back on that highway trying to off myself. What if pastors and believers, what if we all just started with where the scripture starts, that he loves us and go forward from there?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love that as a starting point, uh, as, as for all of us. Um, let me, let me ask you this question, uh, before, before we, we wrap up, I want to make sure I ask you this This came to me recently from a friend and, uh, just reminded me, I, I was in the middle of reading free and, and this question came. So this is a friend who, uh, I've pastored and, she is struggling in her faith right now she's she's sure. she's in a point sort of a midlife crisis sort of point in life and she you know we we talk a lot about hearing God's voice sometimes we'll we'll call it we'll talk about hearing Jesus's voice you know hearing Jesus mm-hmm. express his yeah. love to us or we understand it as the Holy Spirit speaking you know implicitly to us and her her wrestle as she's she's wrestling with kind of what makes why is Christianity the the right religion you know i was sort of raised this way but there's these other religions and she she wants to hear the voice of jesus like she wants to hear it uh audibly you know she she's wondering if if jesus Wants to be known, you know, and and we, we hear people here and there saying, you know, they heard the voice of Jesus. She wants to hear the voice of Jesus. And, and why right. wouldn't why wouldn't he why wouldn't he speak to her audibly? You know, why wouldn't he let her really hear his voice? Uh, what would you say? I mean, to her, let's just if, you know, if she were listening, uh, what would you say to her and or someone you know, who might hear a lot of this and go, yeah, that's great. That's, but that's just your own thoughts. That's just, you know, you can kind of think those things yourself. Uh, but that's, I need something more than that. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna believe, you know, in, in these things.
1: First of all, um, if that sister shared her story with me, I would do a whole lot of listening And I would I would try to do a whole lot of feeling with her pain that that vacuum that she feels, you know, at this point in her life. I'm sure there's been some disappointments, some wounds, some, quote unquote, why didn't life work out better for me in these areas? And if Christianity is what I thought it was supposed to be or going to be, and if Jesus is who I thought he was, why? Why the pain? If it wasn't for the pain or the wound, I would suspect she, she wouldn't be asking this question. It doesn't sound like she's asking just an intellectual question. What are the five big proofs that Jesus is the son of God and whatnot? It sounds like she's asking something from deep in her heart. So I'd listen, try to connect with that pain. I would tell her that I understand because I have some of the same sentiments. I've wrestled, as you know, Noah, with my health for the last 11 months. And many times, all I've had the strength for in my time with the Lord, which is like all day, every day, just talking to him is, Lord, show me you're with me. Show me you are with me. Let me see something. I know the word of God is there. I'm, I need more right now. Mm-hmm. Thomas said that. Jesus didn't shame him for saying it. I'm saying it. Um, speak to me. I would tell her that I get it, and I don't think that shows her lack of faith. I show, I think it shows her depth that she really, really, really wants to know. She's seeking with her whole heart. And then I would suggest, could it be that you really don't need to hear a supernatural voice that breaks open the heavens like Jesus heard at his baptism Although I would probably say to her, Noah, have you asked? I probably would say, ask. I do. It doesn't mean I get to demand. God's not a genie in a lamp, but I ask. But I would say, could it be that one of the main places that Jesus intends, as we've talked about, to reveal himself For his voice to be heard, if you will, is in the absolute, sacrificial, radical, unconditional love that we experience or need to experience or are called to experience in the body of Christ. In other words, I would probably, by the end of that conversation, if she gave me permission, I would take her as my sister in my arms appropriately, and I would hold her close. I might if it was the first couple of times we've been together, no, I probably wouldn't even say, what about the body of Christ? You probably haven't experienced his love there. You haven't heard him there, seen him there. You've seen religion, but not him. Probably, no, I wouldn't even say that. I would probably by that time my 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 heart would be breaking for her as my sister. And I probably would ask permission to envelop her in my arms and just hold her. Because you can't fake the love of Christ. And in that moment, if the love of Christ is permeating me and I'm really hugging her because I love her, then some of that will begin to seep into her spirit. And she might walk away. She might, depending on how deep the wound, having hope that maybe ever so faintly mm. she has begun to hear the voice of Christ. Yeah. And and you're free to edit this out, um, Noah, but... You know, the story I tell in my first book of Dan Schoenfeld, the hardest criminal I'd ever been in contact with in my entire life, visited him in prison, tried to read the scripture to him in a contact visit. He was all chained up and and it wasn't working. So I got up, he stood up, I went around, he couldn't hug me and he wouldn't have. He was full of a lot of venom. And I hugged him. Remember that story, Noah? Mm -hmm. I kissed him on the cheek. I never planned on doing that later on. I thought, what an idiot I am. But I kissed him on the cheek. I whispered in his ear, I love you, man. I want to come back to see you. He mumbled something, shuffled out in chains, went back to his pod. He told me later, I went out to the parking lot and said, what did I just do? Why couldn't I just said, I'll see you at your hearing? (laughs) Or at your sentencing, instead, I had to hug him and kiss him and tell him I love him and all that, dude. This hardened— I mean, hard, hard. His background was so hard. He was, he was, he was in there for assault, assault. Mm. He went back to his pod and he said to himself, "What just happened to me? Whatever it was, I've got to have more,
2: mm.
1: Noah." all I did was love him, man. The the tears had begun to run down my face. I had just come out of my near suicide a few months before. I was just early in the stages of knowing the love of God myself. Mm. I knew all about it, didn't know it, starting to know it. And it broke me that day for this man. I took him in my arms and it started. He got sentenced to 14 to 42, eight years into his sentence. He trusted Christ and came out and served communion to the family that he had abused, Mm. Uh, walking down the aisle with tears running down their face. I mean, it is a miracle story because he felt somehow through me, Noah, you know how broken I am. You know I'm no paragon of virtue. I'm just a guy, a son of God that knows he's loved. He felt he heard the voice of Jesus through me. I believe it, Noah, that if, if the body of Christ would know that love and give it, yeah, we still might hear the audible voice here and there, of course. Why not? But I think it would be a lot less necessary because we would hear His voice and see Him and His love in one another.
0: Mm. I love it. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, thank you, thank you for sharing that. And um, yeah, I think I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people need to hear that and be just, and to be to be reminded that 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 type of love exists and that it exists for them because that doesn't really exist in our culture and indeed it, it you know and, and we've uh, unfortunately the church in many ways cops out to culture and we just become shaped by it rather than being you know shaped by Christ and indeed um so yeah i i i think uh my friend will listened uh, here will be listening to this episode and i won't edit that out uh and 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 i i trust that I trust that she will will be able to hear Jesus in that way. Um, yeah. And so. please tell her,
1: and you know me, you know me that I don't, you know, I've got a lot of faults, but BS is not one of them. I just say what I really, really feel. And you, yeah. you tell your friend if you feel comfortable that as her brother, I love her. And I feel her heart and her pain and I'm with her from afar. And um, if she ever wanted to chat, I would not even dishonor her journey by trying to fix anything. Cause I, I'm not a fixer. Mm-hmm. I'm her brother. I would listen and be present to her. Like you have been, you let her know.
0: I will. Thanks. Yeah, I will. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, let me, let me get you out of here on this one. We've hit on pieces of this and, uh, really all throughout, this has been a thread and this is something, this is something I struggle with. You know, you and I are both wired similarly where I, uh, the, the weight of the brokenness of the world weighs heavy mm-hmm. um, on us, you know, the the weight of just so much brokenness, just so much, just the macro level and the micro level. And there's I, I don't even, frankly, want to list out all the traumatic things that happen in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, how how does a person have joy in a world of brokenness?
1: Wow. Well, as you know, in, in this book, Free, and I'm sure you've given the whole title, Rescued from Shame-Based Religion, Released into the Life-Giving Love of Jesus. I'm sure you did that in your intro, but in that particular book, I, I think the last chapter is about joy. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I confess in that chapter, knowing I've confessed this to you and many others, I struggle with joy um, because of the pain. So first, I think we've got to differentiate between what joy, the joy that Jesus promised that would be associated with abiding in his love. Remember right after he said, abide in my love, he said, I've written these things so that you might have joy, my joy, and that your joy might be full. Dude, that that's a quite a, pro, that's quite a promise. And so, um, We've got to believe that that joy is available to us. So what is joy? What it's not is that circumstantial kind of giddy, awesome happiness that we saw at the Super Bowl last night for those who were on the winning side. I mean, there's nothing wrong with confetti and ticker tape parades and just the exhilaration of something went right. I love that life, there's so much pain in it. If we don't, I was at my four-year-old grandson's birthday party last night, watching the Super Bowl and just watching him and watching the other grandkids and my three daughters and two sons-in-law and my, the the woman I'm in love with, you know, after 43 years, it was an amazing moment, joy Mm -hmm. of a certain type. But the sorrow is also always present. And That particular moment of joy might have been invaded by sorrow. What if somebody would have gotten sick? What if, I mean, who knows? In fact, it's interesting. This particular grandson, the day he was born, and we drove to Chicago at that point to see him on his birthday, literal birthday. Carla was called out of the gift shop. We were called out of the gift shop in the hospital where he was born to hear that she had a pretty severe form of cancer. On the day he was born there it is joy and sorrow so the the giddiness of that moment of joy was gone there was there was sorrow so much sorrow mixed in that was fleeting so then what what is the joy then that remains and i believe it is it is a happiness for sure but it's a happiness deeper than fleeting circumstances and deeper even than the sorrow who might that exists alongside joy, alongside giddy happiness. In other words, it's a deeper happiness that is unmitigated by the pain, because Noah, it's attached to the love of God in Jesus Christ. So if I remain close to his love, I will never be far from the joy. In my view, the key to coming back to understanding the deep joy that is promised is not running from the pain, but looking for the presence of and the love of God in Christ in the pain. Mm. It is there because of his love that I will have joy That is deeper than whatever sorrow I'm experiencing and may even include some of that giddy happiness that I was just talking about. So I think we have to be really clear about our definition. And at the end of that chapter, you know, I talk about the fact that, again, much of that joy can be found in the body of Christ, the relationships there. I mean, we're a relational people. One of the reasons that so many of us are struggling with joy right now, real joy the deep kind of joy is because in the midst of our pain, we can't hang with anybody because we're so, me included, at risk for the virus. We're, we're struggling with joy for many of us because I see Noah's face, but joy for me, what I'm, what I'm destined for is to take Noah in my arms and to hug him as a brother and just for us to look at each other in each other's eyes and let the love of Christ in each other, take us to that place of, well, what did Paul say to the Thessalonians? I think, you Mm -hmm. are my joy. So I think that's how I would start the discussion of joy right there.
0: love it. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for another round on the flip side. It's been great. Noah,
1: I'm, I'm so honored to be with you. And again, especially because you're my brother and I love you so much. And you've, you've been open with me about your journey as I have taken off my mask with you. So that connects us, bro, in ways that make this, to be honest, with some of the pain in my life right now, mm-hmm. it makes this moment a joyful one. Mm-hmm. Because Noah, know it or not, at least in part. You are my joy.
0: Thanks, bro. No, honestly, that I mean, you—you've taught me about love. You know, you've taught me how to give and and receive love. I'm still and and and, uh, and I know you. I know you mean, you mean every every bit of that. And I need to hear it. And <laughs> I need it, man. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, welcome back to the podcast. What an awesome interview with Kevin. i I told you in the intro that you would experience Kevin's love for you through that podcast. You would experience Jesus's love. or maybe more specifically, as Kevin really emphasizes, it's the Father's love that we get to have through Jesus, that 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 man. I experienced that. When I talk to Kevin, I experienced that when i when I read his books. So pick up a copy of Free. Today from Nav Press, and you—you'll be encouraged. You'll be strengthened. You'll be strengthened uh, in in your walk. So, so with that, as I mentioned earlier, the solemn news: there's not a Noah's rant today. Seriously, contact me, podcast at beyondthebattle.net, if you would like to see more Noah's rants, and if you have ideas for us, please. Uh, Please send those in to me. Check out beyondthebattle.net if you want to join a seven-week group with me and my team to help you walk through finding freedom uh, from sexual temptation. With that... We will see you next time on The, flip the side. The side with Noah Filippiak is a South Francis Press production. Copyright Noah Filippiak, www.noahfilippiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K-Lake Music, used with permission. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found.
3: revivals, like the Bombay. to Hanks. to in the reverence, stressing for leverage, that they see the king's tracks on the pavement leading to heaven. Y'all, y'all, dripping in that gar that don't perish. People selling fake see the green around their belly, taking refuge in his hands, see his palms, my living quarters. Pose them when I'm finished, then it's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory, cause you're in or you out. When you see him in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them They been sleeping for some ages Now all gods, baby, so confused by this hatred pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list Money probably long, but short is with your days Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Pointing to redemption To the one who got them splinters Cause that cross is nothing pretty So out the beauty pageants And caught up in emotions And following your passions Talking of freedom all people need them More than an Easter Or coffee shop discussions debated. Baristas, please sir, this is why we inked up Even when they do the autopsy, they still see him Freedom, freedom, freedom coming quickly Boss from the spirit Put it through the preamp and mix it like a chemist Put it in the airwaves and hoping that they hear it If there's some confusion, then I hope you see him clearly Raise him, raise him, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred Poor pit preacher shouldn't aim to be A-list Money probably long, but sure so it's with your daisy